0: This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 183 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands-On Gloves, the all-in-one shedding, bathing, grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have a little bit of chit-chat about transition horses, the adoption horses. And we also have a famous animal refuge in Florida this is debbie laux and you're listening to the horsemanship radio thanks for joining us horsemanship radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month and i have my producer jen with me today hi jen greetings how's debbie I'm good. I'm good. We get to talk about Florida today a little
1: bit. Yes. We're going to stop by down here in Seminole country with one of our guests. It's so cool that more and more often now, uh, particularly now that the Right Horse Initiative is really making some progress into um, spreading the word about transition horses beyond people who would typically talk about that, that we get to talk more and more about success stories.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, when we started Horsemanship Radio, you remember that it was about, oh, alternative ways to train horses from the real traditional ways, right? We were Mm going to have guests on that talked about training a lot and talk about the care and uh, well-being of horses and I can't think of a better subject than transitioning horses from one vocation to the other or transitioning from uh, on the track thoroughbred to a home you know where somebody has them in the backyard where they use them as a trail horse or an eventer or you know it, it it's a logical next step to have an exit strategy for these horses that are in one industry over to another industry. And I think that's been fun to kind of do a lot of this. There's so many places out there now that have stories. So that's what's fun about Simon's talk today, um, that we we did this interview with him talking about the variety of horses that we have in the Mustang and Transition Horse Program, but also that there's cool people like Lori Hood who found uh, these animal refuge places, the no-kill shelters, uh, but they're not, they're not your typical, you know, they're not your grandmother's
1: shelters, you know, anymore. Yes, the, <laughs> the, fun. Yes, the organizations are are starting to morph and transition and create an a atmosphere and, for lack of a better term, end product that mm-hmm. gives that end product, the horse, a better ability to go out into the world and be a useful and productive citizen with so many different people. And that's really cool. Yeah, it is. I think people will enjoy this this time on episode 183. 183, and I do too. And we're going to get right to our first guest after we are, we hear from another useful tool mm-hmm. that is useful to lots and lots of modern horsemen, the hands-on gloves. Well, I'm sitting
0: here today with Jay Michelson of hands-on gloves and I we were talking today about the horse that has sensitive skin or the animal that has sensitive skin Jay and I I wanted you to help me address that a little bit I know you've got some features to your products but I know you know more about it than I do so what do you do what do you say to the the owner that has somebody with sensitive skin
2: our gloves are made from surgical grade nitrile So that makes them chemical resistant, mildew resistant, because you can bathe with them too. They're made to get wet. Um, But across the board, there's no latex in them. So it's great for any animal, any people that have latex issues. There's no latex in it. They're just your hands. And if you have a thin-skinned horse or dog, there are cats, other animals. There are many animals that don't like to be touched in certain areas But having the gloves on, it's just your hands. You get immediate feedback if you get to an area of that animal that is sensitive. And you can apply less pressure in those areas, and you can apply more pressure in the other areas. Uh, We have professional grooms that work for us. um, They groom for Olympians across the board, and these guys are phenomenal. And they did a study on mainly thoroughbreds, thin-skinned thoroughbreds,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: they found out that most people are grooming too light.
3: Oh, <laughs> and interesting.
2: They're tickling the, the horses. and went in and applied just a little more pressure, and the horses loved it. And that's kind of some of our experience with it. We, we have all kinds of animals and experience with that.
0: I think you can throw these in the wash machine. Am I right?
2: You can. Next time you bathe your animals with them, use the gloves. A little bit of soap suds up all the way. And what we do after we bathe our animals with them, we rinse them off, hang them out to dry, and they go okay. back to new. Um, you can throw them in the washing machine. Um, just don't put them in the dryer and okay. um, just throw them in the washing machine hang them out to dry, and they go back to new.
0: Well, Jay, how do people find out about you?
2: Handsongloves.com.
0: Today, we have Maddie Roberts Mustang and Transition Horse Program. Talked about utilizing Maddie's world renowned gentle and effective training techniques, including Join Up and his patented humane gentling facility. So, his team at the Maddie Roberts International Learning Center are now busily gentling and starting unbacked horses for our adoption partners. And we're working through some remedial issues with some of these horses. All of the horses are desensitized to a variety of objects and Stimuli. And this makes them safe and willing partners for their future owners. So today we're going to have Simon Duinville on to the show to share the story of the founding of the program and some of the early successes that we've had. Well, welcome, Simon Duinville. Thank you for coming back to us and from the MRLC, that's the Monty Roberts International Learning Center. What's going on today there at the school?
4: Well, at the school, not very much. We're very fortunate to have a short break before we get back into class. So we're busy doing some work with our Monty Roberts uh, Mustang and Transition horse uh, program. So we've had a couple of new horses arrive in the program. And so we're busy working with those and uh, doing some evaluations on them. And hopefully Monty is going to come and help us with the evaluation shortly. So, yes, that's Mm -hmm. the story for today.
0: Good. That's why I wanted to have you on the phone today. Um, seems a, a, a little bit exciting around there with a bunch of chestnut mares coming in the gate. <laughs> and and really some cool stories these days. And we haven't done a catch up for a while. So before we get started, though, uh, tell us what your position there is at the Mustang and Transition Horse program. And then tell us a little bit about uh, the launch and how we got going. Sure, no problem. So my position here
4: is uh, head trainer, and uh, what we do is we, we source horses from the Right Horse Initiative and we get uh, horses from the partners. So we do applications and we um, assess horses that we are hoping to get into the program, and from there we send all that information through to Monty and he double-checks and gives us the okay on certain horses, bring them through and start the training. But I can give you a little bit of a story about uh, what we're doing. So since 2016, the Right Horse Initiative has worked to increase the number of horses that are adopted in the US. So they have also worked to um, rename them horses in transition rather than rescues, as a rescue implies that the horse was taken from a neglectful situation. But many of the horses are perfectly sound and healthy and just in need of a new home or career. So, the horses identified that a lack of high quality training for remedial and feral horses is one of the most consistent ongoing needs for horses in transition.
3: Yeah.
4: With this in mind, we created the Monte Roberts Mustang and Transition Horse Program, Good. where we retrain horses from the right horse adoption partners to make them safer and more adoptable. <clears throat> so, a little bit about the program all of our horses go through ground based training work on remedial issues, desensitizing to a variety of obje- objects and stimuli,
1: mm-hmm. and
4: ground manners. Okay. We work to make sure all of our adoption horses can complete the right horse's basic behavior, which is a list of 14 common interactions between a horse and human. Including
0: 14, okay, so this four, is a list three. from the right horse, eh? The, the right horse sure. has created a list of 14, okay. So you wanna get yeah, some highlights for us on that one. What, what are the 14 elements they like?
4: Uh, some of them are um, trailer loading, blanketing, taking oral medication, and standing for the farrier. Okay. Um, so we also complete a ridden training program, which includes Monty's six ridden imperatives. Uh, Monty's list—it's uh, pretty basic, but it's, they are imperatives, as he calls it, which are going forward, backing up, turning left and right, stopping, and standing still. Um, additionally, we work on more advanced flat work and straightness training and begin to work in the areas that we believe the horse is most suited to, whether that's jumping, dressage, trail riding, polo, or something else.
0: Okay, sure. So are you telling me that some horses come in there and they don't back up?
4: They don't back up. They don't go forward. (laughs) They don't turn left. They don't turn (laughs) right. They don't want to take medicine. (laughs)
0: Exactly. I mean, some people think, oh, well, of course, you know, every horse backs up, but tell us a little bit about that.
4: Well, we find backing up is just as important as going forward. Um, it's one of Monty's imperatives, and he believes that it's super crucial, and I must agree with him. Um, backing a horse up is just as important as going forward.
0: Right. These, but uh, race horses, these thoroughbreds, sometimes are not thinking back up, right?
4: No, <laughs> no, definitely not. They're thinking go forward and win,
0: and when exactly. And that's what they, they're birthed thinking that way too. So it, it isn't as simple as it sounds to say we've got these six imperatives that must be uh, reasonable within the horse to make it more adoptable and uh, or to cause it to be more adoptable. We're very choice-based here. Aren't we? True, yes, very
4: right.
0: So what? what's the significance of the right horse? Did they... You know, I know that they say they wanted to massively increase the adoptions in the U.S., uh, but why the partnership with the Right Horse?
4: Okay, all right. So the Right Horses has come together to try and help resolve issues within the adoption circle. So um, they've they've formed the Right Horse Initiative, in which they have seeked out um, adoption centers. Um, with like-minded uh, like-minded people and thoughts and organizations in order to put a bit of structure and to um, assist each other with with barriers to entry like transportation or training or um, there's, there's various other aspects of um, adoption that that are not so easy for some but easier for others and so it's it's basically just getting together and sharing the wealth of knowledge that they have and Um, essentially just putting people together to network and make things a lot easier.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Good. So that gives people a a framework here as to why we started the Mustang and Transition Horse program. And I wanted to get in with you a little bit now that we've been launched since uh, October of 2020. And we've been working with some pretty special people, these adoption partners from uh, we've got one in Southern California, CJ and, and her team from Win place home and then there's been several others uh, that since launch that we've worked with and um so of course you're going to have some stories by now you're going to have some some cool stories to share with us and i asked you to maybe pick one or two (laughs) that that give us a taste of what you're up against here when a horse comes off that trailer for the first time at flag is up
4: Okay, so let me start start with the past horses. Um, so since we started the program in October 2020, we've had 21 horses through our program and so far 14 have been adopted. Two were found unsound and needed further rehab before they could be adopted and we have five currently in our program. So far, most of our horses are off-the-track thoroughbreds. Mm-hmm. Not being too far from Santa Anita racetrack and Monty's extensive history with training racehorses, they seem to be the horses we've been most successful retraining and rehoming in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. But we do have plans to work with more Mustangs and other horses, especially, especially when we have our advanced courses. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit about the adoption stories. Um, it's been great to have feedback from all of our adopters. I regularly hear from them about how our horses are coming along. Two of my favourite adoption stories are Paprika and Lad. Uh, I didn't believe in the whole chestnut mare thing until I met <laughs> Paprika one day <laughs> home. <clears throat> uh, she spent five months in our program as we didn't have any interest in her. I think because no one saw past her being a chestnut mare with a knee injury... Mm -hmm. She had been totally sound, so it wasn't an issue, but we've found a lot of people aren't willing to look past an old injury, even when a horse has been cleared by a vet. Mm -hmm. But in March, we had Eve, this feisty little 13-year-old who Mm -hmm. instantly fell in love with Paprika when she rode her. We shared Eve's adoption story on Monty's uh, social media this week. Mm -hmm. It's great to see how the two have uh, bonded, and it's a wonderful example of how we should look look past first impressions and give a horse a second chance.
0: Ah, nice. Right. Right. So,
4: okay, yes,
0: I love Mars too. Yeah, go ahead.
4: Um, Another very good one is Lad. Ah. So um, the story that I love about Lad is that he retired from racing as he had respiratory bleeding, which is quite common in racehorses. They treated it with Latex, but Lad was losing too much weight on the treatment. So they made a decision to retire him um, his race name was Lord Admiral, and he's ended up being adopted by a lovely lady who works in the military, mm. um, in the legal division. Uh, it seems fitting that Lord Admiral Admiral would end up living on a military base.
1: Mm.
4: Um, they have a wonder. They have a wonderful equestrian facility there, and he's being pampered and fattened up as a pleasure trail horse. So that's a, a really good
0: story. Yeah. yeah. Landlocked Lord Admiral. That's great. <laughs> he's now in Arizona. <laughs> but he's beautiful, too. So, I mean, what makes – what 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 a horse is a horse, right? We all believe that. And uh, what makes your choices what you make when you and Monty put your heads together and you start watching video? Wh- what are your main um, needs? What are your – criticisms you know what do you what do you want in your training program that makes it unique
4: well um we like to we like to take horses in between say three and nine to ten years old Uh, we don't want them too young a lot of a lot of trouble and we don't want them too old because it's it's a little bit of a barrier uh, i would say um, the clientele that we have at the moment is they're mainly hunter-jumpers and three-day eventing, so we're looking for nice, big, strong horses that are sound, that we're able to to put uh, through our rigorous training program, and of course, okay. we need to run them at the same time, so anything that, um, that's got a nice, big motor on it and is uh, looking really good and healthy and has got a good shine to it, uh, we'll jump for
0: Good. That makes good sense because we are not an adoption partner per se. We're actually an industry partner, and that puts us in a different and more unique position in that we're setting an example where we've got a program set up to, uh, if, if you will, create a training program that is as massive as we can make it to match Right Horse's uh, mission statement to massively Increase the adoptions across the United States. So, we've become a bit of a prototype for the training of horses to go back out to either the industry partners have people that want to adopt these horses, but they're not finished enough for them. Um, Or uh, tell us a little bit about the intern program, too, because to me, this is what's really going to uh, give you know, the old saying of don't give a man a fish give him the ability to fish, teach him how to fish, and he can eat for life. So uh, tell us a little bit about the internship program and how that might apply.
4: Okay. So initially when we were when we first started with the right horse, we started drawing horses from the various um, right horse partners around uh, California. And um, we, we always had this in the back of our mind that we would really like to work with not only their horses, but with their staff too. As you said, teach a man, give a man a fish and he'll eat tonight and, or teach a man to fish and he'll be able to eat forever.
2: That's so it. So yeah. we,
4: we had to start by working with the horses and showing them what we're capable of doing. But over and above that, we are Monty Roberts International Learning Center. And we that's what we do the best is we teach. We have this international learning center where we've had students from all around the world that have now become instructors that are able to go out there and teach. So once we started getting horses and we we said, you know, why are we only doing the horses? Why don't we try and get some of their key personnel and bring them here, let them have an internship so we can train them on our methods so that they could go back and in fact work with all those horses there. So instead of them sending us one or two horses to try and fix, which we would have to send back to them, well, now we're just training training their, their staff and sending their staff back. They can fix all of the horses. So, um, ride Horse, The ride Horse initiative has been really good with us in that they are are accepting of what we're asking and and they are most certainly um, helping us move forward with this. And so they ha- we have started taking in some of the key personnel, letting them intern here and take that knowledge back to the partners. The partners and apply our methods to the horses that they have there in training or that they're battling with, Mm -hmm. which has proved to be super successful. Um, We only started the internship program a couple of months ago, but we've had nothing but good feedback since.
0: Mm -hmm. And some good people too, some really good hands. I love the, the talent and abilities that they've brought here. And I love their expressions when they first start learning some of the the things that you know, we've got our certified instructor Jamie Jennings, who's been a great example out there, became the ride horse trainer of the year. Um, and you can see on social media, on her Facebook page what she's been doing. You can see our social medias too. but but, um, I think what's really exciting is when people say things like, "Where's this been all my life? How come nobody taught me this stuff? And how come loading on the trailer is so much easier now? and and so i I love that they've got their minds open. To to learning and it's been fun. So maybe people are thinking, well, how do I get in on that program? So uh, tell us a little about a bit about the restrictions or what we're, were um what qualifies for an intern.
4: Okay, so at the moment it's it's currently open to Ridehorse um, Initiative partners only. So you would need to uh, either volunteer or assist at a, a Ridehorse partner and there's. Um, ride Horse partners around uh, across the nation you just have to go onto their website and be able to find where your closest adoption partner is and sign up and become a volunteer and put a little bit of time in there and once you've done a little bit of time with them and you are welcome to apply to the internship program of which we will um, take applications do the vetting and it's pretty simple to get in here mm-hmm. um, that's the, the the only thing is at the moment um, you need to be volunteering or work for a, um, a right horse partner, but uh, who knows? That could change. Uh, this is just the start. So that's it's right.
5: Well so far.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. We've been really fortunate, and I I hope there are people listening out there who think, "Dang, I want to go volunteer at a right horse adoption center," uh, because they are wonderful. It's a nice, qualified adoption center too. I like that we were able to work with, um, just not all. Um, backyard sanctuaries, but that we we really have a mission statement. And interestingly enough, we've said so on other shows, but it should go into this episode too, that the right horse did so well in their five-year plan that they squeezed it in about three and became a program of the ASPCA. So they're well-funded as well too. Um, and I like that sustainability in a nonprofit mm-hmm. like that too. So um so and you adopted one as well. Tell me about oh, Marshmallow.
4: Giving all my secrets away. Yep. Here. <laughs> well, I'd <clears throat> I'd wanted a nice big grey since I arrived here and well I had my eyes set on one of the first horses that we took in. His name was Salty, a beautiful grey thoroughbred. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of lost him because a kid Fell in love with him, and I couldn't break the kid's heart to say that it was I wanted him. So
3: mm-hmm. I ended up
4: letting him go to this kid, and then I, I spoke to CJ and said, "Oh, you know, this just happened, and it's such a pity, but please keep your eyes open for a nice big grave for me." And uh, she said, "Well, you know what? I've actually got one." Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, "Please tell me more." and She did, and I said, "Okay, well." I've booked him, and uh, yeah, he's a bit of a crazy guy, and he licks poles, and he does funny things, but he's only a three-year-old and having fun, Mm -hmm. so yes, his name is Marshmallow. His racing name was Marfave, and uh, I managed to not put him on the website, but as he came in, I signed the adoption (laughs) papers, so nobody could take him from under me again, but Yeah. yeah, so he's here, and he's happy, and Uh, We started doing a bit of work with him last month and all is going well so far. And I'm happy about it.
0: I'm glad. And I'm glad you're a part of the program, too. And and I should tell people, too, that they are um, even OTTBs and uh, we've had, gosh, we've had Muts too, right? We've had some mixed breeds yeah, yeah. and everything. And they all go out in the pasture. Nobody's stalled. I mean, unless there's a, an abscess in the hoof or something, nobody is brought up. They live like horses out in a green pasture in California. And uh, yes, thoroughbreds can be turned out. I'll let everybody know that. It's new news <laughs> to a lot of people. They can, they can. They can. <laughs> Nobody's bubble wrapped here. So, um, So if somebody is interested, how do they contact you, Simon?
4: Okay. If you'd like to learn more about uh, our program and the horses in it, you can visit montyroberts.com forward slash adopt. You can also follow Monty Roberts on Facebook or Instagram to see our regular updates.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Simon. And thank you for your dedication to these horses, seeing them through all the way through their transition to their new career, a new life. I appreciate you. Listen up, horse owners. If your horses can't get out on green grass for their daily dose of omegas, Purina has got you covered. The Purina team of Ph.D. equine nutritionists have two new products that are rich in omega-3 fatty acids, and they taste better than many sources. Looking at you, fish oil. Try the new Purina Omega Match Timothy-based Ration Balancer or Ahiflower Flower Oil Supplement and see for yourself why these are among some of the best omegas that nature offers. It can take science and love together, each pulling their weight to help your horses live their best lives. Put our research to the test at purinamills.com forward slash omega match. Coming up, we have two guests. Matt Cohn will be doing a series called Animal Passion. That's with Lori Hood, who runs the Alachua Animal Refuge in Florida. This series includes a segment on soaring and horse racing with Monty Roberts. Now, Lori Hood is the founder and president of Alachua Animal Refuge, a no-kill animal shelter and a sanctuary located in the panhandle of Florida. And they believe that every abused, neglected, and homeless animal deserves a second chance. In Animal Passion, this series, Lori engages with animal lovers around the world. She has celebrities, scientists, artists, trainers, and animal advocates, too. Lori shares how a single person's passion often ignited by a chance encounter, can change the lives of countless animals and the people who love them and care for them, while creating lasting change in the animals, too. Matt Cohn is a seasoned television development director and producer with over 22 years of experience. He's developed broadcast shows for networks such as Netflix, Discovery Channel, Bravo, A&E, TLC, and ABC News. Well, welcome. I am pleased to have both Matt Cohn and Lori Hood on Horsemanship Radio. Lori is the founder and president of Aliqua Animal Refuge, and I want to ask you the first question. I love the byline, Lori. Shelter, safety, and second chances, or just shelter, period, safety, period, second chances. Why is adoption work your passion?
5: Thank you so much. Um, well you know it came about because of just the need in our area there was absolutely nothing for dogs and cats originally seven counties around this had a hundred percent euthanasia rates and this was just um, 13 years ago so it was unimaginable to me that this was happening around me and it quickly became that within just a couple of months of starting my organization to address these changes that we you know learned that there was completely nothing available for equine that were in need. And so all of a sudden we came in this um, incredible opportunity to totally um, transform an area and its way of thinking and to save a lot of lives on the
0: way. So um, it's just been a magical journey. That's great. So you you really are rescuing the unrescuable in your area. That's pretty incredible that there's not another no kill in your area is that is there a story behind that is it a law thing or what do you think was was going on there
5: um it's not a law thing it was just um actually more just of a mindset you know <laughs> we we are in florida we're in northwest florida which is basically lower alabama and you know it's kind of still the good old boy system and um you know animal welfare was not a top priority for our counties, and a lot of the community. And so when we started this, um, everyone that was waiting for something like
0: this to happen came on board. And um, it's just been an amazing experience. Yeah, that's great. Now, I know you're a horse girl. So I always ask, what's your I horsey am. background? Did you start, were you born into this with the horse gene? Or how'd you get into horses?
5: Um, I uh, actually lived in a um, subdivision growing up. But my mother would let me have any kind of animal that I wanted. And that was a lot. And so as most little girls growing up, you know, my dream, I had, I drew horses. I dreamed of horses. I, you know, had every little horse statue that there was. And from about six years old, I decided that, um, that was something that I wanted to pursue. And so, um, she let me, and so we got our first horse. I would go every day after school, you know, I was a rodeo barrel racer and, um, you know, my passion has never stopped. And so from a early early on I've been a horsewoman.
0: Fantastic. Good. You know, I, I have I raised two boys and I told them all you have to do is wear the t shirt with a horse on it and you'll get all the dates that you <laughs> there's very few men <laughs> in the right. horse industry, you know, and I and I can't figure that quite out except I think there's something empathetic or compassionate about women that have drawn women to the industry. What do you think?
5: Um, I agree. And, um, it's funny that you say that I have two boys and they're I'm 15 and 16.
0: Mm-hmm. And my
5: oldest boy, his, his name is Colton Crockett hood. Who we, his middle name's Crockett, but That's I always great. had the dream of him becoming a horseman and his nickname being Colt hood. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is great. Yeah, hood, you can play with that quite a bit. That's a lot to do there. But well, we're glad you got into horses because I even read a recent article that you are doing some good work to help some racehorses coming off the tracks in Louisiana and we'll get to to Matt's part of this interview too, but I want to hear about that first.
5: Well, um, you know, we're we run into so many different opportunities to not only save some of these horses in need, but to tell their story and to tell their story um, in the big picture, you know, what's going on in the world related to them. So yes, recently we, um, we, we saved a racehorse off the track that ended up at a kill lot, which was, um, it's two stories, you know, the, the story of the racehorse and it, it's Mm -hmm. winnings and that, you know, it was sold after it could no longer race. And then the story of, these kill lots that, you know, the horses end up at and then they're shipped to slaughter. And so it, it's, it's really amazing the different types of horses and mm-hmm. the different stories that we're able to tell. You know, we, we rescue wild Mustangs over here in Florida. And, you know, the, the thought of a wild Mustang being captured, you know, over <clears throat> in the West and then ended up in, in auctions or in sales in Florida is mm-hmm. also a story in itself, right? But, right. Um, it's it's been interesting to to let these horses come in and let our community and our staff and our volunteers get to meet them up close and hear their story and then understand how to advocate for these animals, you know, and to, to advocate for change for them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. Well, Matt Cohn, thank you for being on the interview with us. I watched a segment about some wildlife photographers that Lori was uh, interviewing, and it was fascinating. And I, I don't know what what date that might come out. Maybe you don't have a date yet, but I can't I can't wait to have people share their their insight to working with wild animals. We're talking wolves and bears and crazy environments. So what was your part in that?
3: Um, Yes, that was uh, with Buck Wild and um, he was a talent that we had actually worked with um, in producing a show for Nat Geo. But um, I think, you know, that's going to be pretty amazing. And I think we even have plans to have Lori go up and uh, go out with Buck. I mean, you know, Lori's a she's really great at what you know. When I first met Lori, it's funny. When I first met her, I'm like, all right, here's this attractive blonde lady who's sitting here, and and then she kept telling me about all these things she's doing. Mm-hmm. And then once you actually see her working, I mean, she can go to D.C. and talk to a lobbyist, but when she's really comfortable, is she's out there, like you know, <laughs> in the midst, in the grunt of it, rescuing. Not only horses, but mm-hmm. these animals, dogs, cats, whatever that has been right. abused. And I mean, she's working. She's out yeah. there working and doing it. And they're very charismatic when it comes to telling these stories. I mean, mm-hmm. Lori is a natural born storyteller, yes, mm-hmm. and whether she believes it or not, but <laughs>
0: You are a discoverer of talent too, so you don't. We don't take that lightly when you say something like that. And Laura, you are beautiful. I saw you are such a brave girl uh, because a lot of us podcasters we're off in a corner or in a closet or or something. We certainly don't do our hair for the show, <laughs> and you look gorgeous <laughs> sitting there. We saw a video Thank podcast, you. which maybe that's the future. I'm I'm frightened by the thought, but <laughs> that is the future of podcasting. But um, you know I. Saw saw some great themes in that both Matt and Lori jump in here. but the familiar themes that I felt so comfortable with were uh, with these wild animals, Buck talking about free choice and and body language. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you learned just listening to that interview and watching some of that video of Buck.
5: you know when, when I was interviewing Buck Wild and I was listening to his story about um, um, his specialty with body language, um, it it really resonated with me and it will too with you debbie with with the horse you know with and how we can interact in a natural way and natural horsemanship and all those beliefs that we believe about horses because he put what we've learned with horses and utilized it coming literally face to face with you know a wild bear and i'm talking a really large wild bear yeah. and he says that you know he's studying them and he gets in front of over a thousand bears a summer within 3 meters of him. Yes. So if you can only imagine he's able to read them and he's never been attacked and you know he's able to to interact with them safely and I think there's that says so much for you know all of what we do in the animal world and I can relate to that on almost every species that we work with. So I was just fascinated by it and Matt's correct he did invite us out and so um next summer I'll be um there in Alaska with him um looking you know for these bears and I'm so excited about that I can't even
0: stand it. it that is just amazing. Yeah, Matt you you're right she doesn't have adrenaline in her body because uh, watching some of those <laughs> scenes I'm thinking the breathing must have been incredible because they literally were a stone's throw from a big brown bear that was all eyes on eyes. And I know with a horse, eyes on eyes, I'm in control. That means the horse is going to go away. But eyes on eyes to a bear is can be, according to Buck, confrontational, which we all sort of know that. But when he's standing next to a camera, looking at the bear, looking in his eyes, Uh, It's hard to believe that you can't get a little nervous. It's true.
3: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, Buck Buck is uh, definitely, um, you know, I mean, he was somebody that was in the CIA and, you know, kind of left his his cushy job there to go out and and to really become um, more than an expert, you know, on on bears and the behavior, along with Esther, um, who knows quite a bit about wolves and what they're into, and I think that was another great bridge in that interview with Lori and Esther when, you know, Lori was also able to talk about wolves and and her interest in that.
0: Yeah, Esther was amazing, too, and I was going to ask you about that, too, because Esther talked about being behind the camera helped her relax so she focused on taking the photographs and not the fact that this wolf with 2 inch teeth <laughs> was dancing around her uh and it looked sort of playful but then on the other hand it could look like you're playing with a piece of prey too <laughs> she could be either I and the it same thing. didn't you Lori yeah because I thought you know yeah. what would what flinch would cause a flip in the in the brain of that animal to think it's prey or it's play and it, you know it's just such a difference between carnivore and flight animal and we get to work with flight animals all the time and people people do come here who have never worked with horses before and say, wow, it's such a big animal. It's a thousand pounds. isn't there anything that, that you fear? And I, and I think it's a strange concept to fear a horse who is a flight animal and we're the carnivores, <laughs> you know, we, we eat right. meat and they know it, um, unless we're vegetarians and, um, there is nothing about them that wants to be with us if we're untrustworthy. So Lori, I, I know you've you've been around horses your whole life. So what do you think about the language of the horse? Does that, does that term mean anything to you?
5: It does. And I had the, um, the honor of first learning about um, the type of work that your father is such an advocate for back when I had a, I had a, a personal little tragedy and I thought to myself, you know, it's the perfect time to try to get back into horses. And this was about 20 years ago. And, And, um, I was able to, to work with another natural horsemanship trainer out in Montana. And, you know, I ended up taking home a horse (laughs) from Montana and bringing it back to Florida with me. And this horse had been, um, you know, it had been abused in the traditional cowboy way. You know, it was, it was, it was trained in the, uh, you know, the aggressive methods and it was very skittish and, and you could see that it it needed to learn to trust again. And, you know, I, I have to say that my experience with that horse, um, I think we both healed, you know, through the process of, of me understanding the language that he was trying to tell me and vice versa. And, um, you know, I just can't say enough about that because we, we also have a PTSD and a a equine, therapy program here. I know you're very familiar with that as well. Yeah. But we watch it every day. You know, we watch these these people come in with these severe tragedies and severe trauma in some way to their lives and you know and what the horse language does for them. And you know, it's just it's just a miraculous thing to watch.
3: It really is amazing. But I did have one personal story I wanted to share that I thought about is um when Lori was talking about that, but we were I think it was when we were filming the Nat Geo, maybe it was one of the, one of the first initial episodes, um, or maybe even the sizzle reel, but we were called out. We, you know, we had our cameras and our crew with us and we were called out and to see a, it was a a group of horses that were mistreated and there was one horse. I mean, these horses were in horrific shape. Um, And there was one horse that was laying down in the field and, literally there was an old woman. I don't know if you remember this way this older woman who had them, she couldn't take care of them. And it was, you know, it just, but it was awful. I mean, their hooves and everything were all grown together. It was, it was pretty terrible. And she said, you can't, don't go and don't bother that horse. It's aggressive. It, it will it will be a problem. And Lori um, got out of the car and she heard, she heard us. And I mean, I looked over at her and she started walking over to that horse and I was like, Oh, okay. I said, well, let's see what happens. But I knew she would be able to take care of herself. And that horse, she just went over and laid her hand on the back of that horse. And that horse just kind of got up and looked over at her with the most loving eyes. And it was just, it was almost heartbreaking and just energetic. I was like, mm-hmm. this is amazing. Like, this is something that people have to see.
0: Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Do you remember that, Lori?
5: I do. Um, I do. And, you know, it's, you know, how how we do about having everything be the horse's idea, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I just, uh, I think that's what happened in that moment that, you know, it was his idea to come with me, not me forcing him mm-hmm. to come with me,
0: you know,
5: and um, I yeah. do remember
0: that. So I w- another thing I wanted to bring up was watching Esther in this series, this one segment of Animal Passion, the program, was uh, her belief in her camera so much that she thought um, we don't have to Follow the animals that they, if there is a choice for them to come to us, they'll come to us. And if there is a curiosity or whatever, I should use some different words, but I like that, that so many, probably crews too, Matt, you would know, do follow the Mustangs and they do track animals. And that does create a different environment for the animal probably puts a little stress on them. It probably puts some, um fear in them and and I like their their approach to just being in the environment and allowing the horses to come to them. Do you remember that in the series the the one that I watched?
5: Yeah, I think that's the same way we approach horses is that, you know, we give them the time to to come to us and to accept us and um yeah, I was I was very taken back when she said that because I could relate to it in so many different
0: ways. I don't know if you two were privileged enough to watch my octopus teacher. It was a kind of a different little documentary that was done, filmed in South Africa, off the coast there. Did you ever get a chance to see that? It doesn't one of my matter. Favorite if you did.
5: things I've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there yeah. you are. Okay, I love it so
0: much. Yes, yeah. I love that about him saying that it took. Um, It took several sessions. It took so many different times him going down there before they actually believed he was a part of the environment. (laughs) And I can't remember exactly how he said it, but I thought it was a good lesson for us to learn that sometimes we walk into the animal world and expect them to be on, I don't know, demonstration for us or entertaining us or whatever, and then we leave as if we're really getting a true picture <laughs> of the way they are. But once we are a part of their environment, it's a completely different relationship.
3: Yeah, I was, uh, he's actually on, on our list for one of the podcasts, so we're hoping that that works out for us.
0: Mm. And w- was that your he's, choice, he's Matt? A great, or... He's
3: a great example of the guest we're looking for.
0: You I know, agree. We really
3: want to tell that kind of story.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Lori. I bet you look forward to that. Absolutely,
5: absolutely. And you know, it's it's interesting now too because we are going into, um, you know, our organization has has done so much for domesticated animals, and we take about just about every domestic animal that there is. We either have or have had at some point, but we've we've discovered that there's such a. Um, need to for wild animal rehabilitation in our area there's nothing for you know if, if a, a bald eagle or something gets hit by a car there's no place to take it um, so we've addressed those issues we're about to start a, um, a wild animal rehabilitation center here I think June 1st is our target date but in a bigger picture we're also trying to bring awareness to um, all sorts of endangered species and that's why um, the wolf and Esther and buck were important to us because not only are we going to have um, a black bear rehabilitation center for the Florida black bear, which will be the first in our state. Um, wow. But we're also going to be a part of the red wolf recovery program. And they're one of the most endangered species in the country right now. Mm. And so we're going to have the privilege to work with those two species and uh, I just am looking so forward to the experience of, you know, not directly interacting with those animals because you want to give them respect to stay wild, you know, which is the ultimate goal. But that experience, I, I'm so much looking forward to that. And 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 the, the result that that's going to bring to hopefully those species.
0: Yes, of course. That's wonderful. So how would people find out more about you? This is where we want you to share as much as you possibly can so that people can learn a little bit more about what you're doing and how they can watch you and how they can see you. So who wants to take that question?
5: Matt, you go ahead and take that for Animal Passion.
3: Yeah, I think for Animal Passion, um, well, we will be definitely, you know, highlighting all, so all of these programs and especially the ones about, you know, the equine assisted therapy programs that Lori's doing and that, you know, we plan on definitely highlighting in the podcast. Um, We're going to, you know, create small, small, um, Um, It's kind of a TV technical word. I'm using sizzle, but it's going to be more than a sizzle. You know, we're really going to try to promote these different programs and give them a story behind it. And if anybody wants to see more of the great Mm -hmm. things that Lori's doing with Aliqua, they can go to aliqua.org and it'll all be right there on the website. We're also going to be updating it. It is actually updated, um, if not daily by daily on little stories, et cetera.
0: Oh, good. 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 And Lori, do you have social media contact and do you have a Facebook page and a a pretty Instagram or anything like that we can go look at?
5: We have all of those things. (laughs) We have all the social media platforms. We are on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook and we upload daily stories there. And we have amazing photography that's uploaded also um, on a daily basis on our Instagram page. And there's never a day that goes by on this property that there's not um, something that happens that, you know, changes not only uh, the animals lives here, but the people's lives as well. Mm. And we have over 400 active volunteers and we, yes. And you know, the amazing thing about it, Debbie, is that, you know, I went to these volunteers and of course I asked them, you know, what brings you here? And they all love animals. That's the first answer. But then when you dive a little deeper, you find out that, you know, their son's committed suicide or their Mm -hmm. husband's passed away of cancer, or there's something that has happened to them that this place is their healing place. Mm -hmm. And I find that very amazing. And I find that uh, amazing that animals that have come from the worst, places that you could ever imagine, you know, are able to heal and they're able to heal with these people who are also trying to heal. And, um, it's just such, a, the power of unconditional love and it, mm. it gives them hope and it gives them, um, sometimes the ability to go on, you know, mm-hmm. when they didn't have anything to go on for, you know, prior to this. And so, uh, we, we are, about to move to our new facility, which is a hundred acres, and um, we're actually capitalizing on that ability to heal both the human and the animal soul. And we're going to have different programs for that. We have already programs established that do that. The Equine Interactions Program, of course, we've already spoken about. We have a program in prison that we utilize dogs in prison. The prisoners train them to be um, either better. Um Adopted, you know, easily adopted or service dogs for people who can't afford them. but we, we we have all of that expanding on our new property. and I'm so excited to be able to offer this to you know not only the the animal soul but the human soul
0: as well. Mm, that's wonderful. That's super ambitious and and what a lovely mission statement that is but with 400 volunteers and your passion i have no question that you will get it done and i and i can't wait to see all the things that you're going to do to strategically take all these animals into our lives you know flip it around people always think we're doing so much for the animals and aren't we good stewards of the animals and i think Really, I think the animals are saving us, so we better look to see how valuable they are and start treating them a little bit better, so they can help us.
5: We were talking about our vision statement. You know, every every good organization has a great mission statement and vision statement, and you know, ours has evolved a little bit from this first day I started. And you know, they're like in our exercise, they're like, "Well, what is your ultimate goal? You know what what would you like to see?" All your work accomplished, and I just, you know, I kind of giggled and I said, "Well, really, I, I think we it can change the world, you know. Mm-hmm. If, if you teach empathy and you teach you teach children to to love all living things, you know, you can literally change the world." and Absolutely. So, I think that's a big that's a big vision mission, but you know, it's true. Whisper the language
2: of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word.
1: It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty.
6: Leave this world a better place than The magic in the language of the hood. Dear Monty, My horse has difficulty taking the bit. It was recommended by someone that I use a bitless bridle for her, but I don't know how to use one and no one will help me. They will only help with a bit. My horse has never bitten, reared, bucked, or been difficult in any way. She just gets very scared of the bit. Monty's answer. I sympathize with the problem you are having. Horses often come to me in the same condition you've outlined in your question. I will never understand how professional horsemen can feel that violence and brutality can solve the condition you've described. This behavior is one of the few where I recommend a food substance. I place first honey on a stick and ask the horse to take the stick in the mouth, licking the honey off. I then put honey on a bit with no bridle and repeat the process. Before long, the horse will follow me around and attempt to put the bit on himself. I've had good outcomes from this process. Often horses become fearful when they hear the sound of metallic bits. In such cases, mylar or happy mouth bits are quite effective. These are made from a plastic type substance that will take the honey quite well. The honey taste will remain on the soft mouthpiece and you can put it on and off as many times as your horse wants and still experiencing the taste of honey. Note that it is quite possible to work without a bridle on the bit. It's easier to work with the bit as a solo object without reins either. Get in the mood to have fun with this. I recommend that you work your horse in a box stall, loose box. If you put the horse's tail in a safe corner, then it's easier to approach the muzzle area. Don't be forceful with the honey-coated stick. Just start by putting it in the corner of the mouth onto the tongue. Continue this work until you can pass it through the front teeth and onto the tongue so that the horse tastes the honey. Experience is always valuable in these areas. I would like you to realize that with my decades of work with horses, I can take the most difficult sort and cause them to reach out consciously to take the bit and two or three sessions of 45 minutes to an hour. When you can achieve this level of acceptance from your horse, it is fun. When it's fun, it happens faster and more effectively. Wherever a bitless bridle can be advantageous to the horse owner, I recommend using the dually Halter. It can serve as a normal, halter and is invaluable for educating the horse and it also comes complete with its own dvd to help you in learning to use it monty
0: for more of these insights into good horsemanship go to montyroberts.com and click on the words ask monty at the bottom of the page what in the wide wide world of sports is going on here
2: where in the world is monty roberts
0: Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. May 28 through 30, we have our Horse Sense and Healing Program for first responders and veterans. Then into June, we have the 4th through the 6th. We have an introductory course, Module 4, which is prepping for the intro exams. Good luck, everybody there. And then for uh, June of 7th through 11 we'll be doing the Gentling Wild Horses course. We've got interns coming back for that and students coming back for that. That's really fun. That was the first one that Jamie Jennings did. That's the host of Horses in the Morning. And then June eleven through thirteen, we have our Western States, Horse Expo. So Matty will be up in Sacramento, California on the 12th doing some loading demonstrations and teaching his join-up. And then on the 18th through the 20th this month, this has been my Favorite weekend all year now. The 18th through the 20th, we will have the movement 2021. Go to the movement2021.com. And then 21 through 25 of June, we'll have a Monty special training. And we're focusing on some pretty feral horses for that one. So coming out of the Gentling Wild Horse Course, they'll just continue on through the Monty special training. So if you're considering a back to back, that would be the great one. In July, Second through fourth, we have another Horse Sense in Healing. And then we have July 12 through 23, an introductory course of horsemanship. That's the first leg, two weeks long of the certification process. Then, long term planners, we have August 2 through 13, a Gentling Wild Horse course, completely new set of horses for that one. And then 16 through 20 will be Monty's special training, which again will continue with those horses for a
1: back to back. And if you could not commit all of that to memory, because there's a lot. You can find all of that and more at MontyRoberts.com, or you can call the fine folks at Flag Is Up Farms in Solvang, California at 805 688 6288.
6: Have you ever wondered how to keep your horse sound and how to prevent future lameness issues? Have you had to deal with abscesses, stone bruises, laminitis, navicular, or soft tissue damage in the hoof capsule? Or maybe you're a farrier and you want to learn how top vets around the world diagnose and treat various hoof care issues. The Humble Hoof is a podcast for both owners and professionals discussing the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Check us out, published twice a month on Horse Radio Network.
1: And that's the wrap-up for another great Horsemanship Radio podcast. And for details about today's show, episode 183, you can go to HorsemanshipRadio.com, where you're going to find photos and links to today's guests and topics. Don't forget, you need to follow Flag Is Up Farms and Monty Roberts on social. He's on Facebook, Monty Roberts, the one with the little blue checkmark. And he is also on Twitter and Instagram. His handle in both places is Monty underscore Roberts. If you have not done so already, please do download the free Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or your Android. It's the easiest way to listen to Horsemanship Radio and all the other podcasts on Horse Radio Network. Just hop into your app store and download it today. And download it for your friends who are a little bit less tech, tech savvy. They will thank you later.
0: They will. Uh, of course they will. In fact, they'll start telling you what was on the shows after a while, which is great. (laughs) (laughs) I do love the app. Many thanks to our sponsors too. Our title sponsor, Hands On Gloves. And for... Gosh, all those hands-on gloves that are giving out to the uh, interns these days, too. They're loving them and taking back to all their adoption partners. So thanks for all of that, Jay, at Hands-On Gloves. And then also we have specials. Uh, We have Purina on this. And, of course, watch those other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. But most importantly, until next time, have many happy horse hours. Thank <music> you.